Hi guys, welcome to For the Love of Business podcast. Where we host honest conversations with the people behind the businesses you love. We think it's so important now more than ever to highlight what it takes to survive and thrive as an independent business. And highlight what it really takes to do what you love and love what you do. I'm your host, Carolyn. And I'm Cody. And this is For the Love of Business. We are here at Loveland Kitchen on a dreary late November night, but we're excited to have Jimmy from Nofo Doco here with us. Carol and Jimmy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm doing great. Oh, we're all here, finally. Fantastic. Welcome. I am so excited to just, just get into this because there's so much I want to talk to you about. Yeah. First, before we do, is just a quick little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how kind of you got started. Okay. And maybe since you have a couple of locations, just kind of touch on where we can find you. Too. Sure. You got it. So my name is Jimmy. I grew up in Nassau County in Levittown. Lived there pretty much my whole life. Um, and then in my early 20s, I, uh, I dropped out of college um, and I wanted to pursue a brewing career, beer brewing career. So, <laughs> so I got into that. I uh, self-taught everything. I, I read all the books. I wanted to figure it out. Started home brewing. This was at like I would say the, the beginning of the craft beer bubble. So this was like maybe 20 years ago almost. Wow. A little bit less than that. You were ahead of your time. I was, I was ahead of my time, <laughs> yes. So some would say that. But uh, yeah, I got into beer and um, it was just something that I, uh, I got into with my friends and it became like a really awesome pastime and hobby. And it was just a really great time to spend time with your buddies in the summer. And it was like fun because you could drink while you were doing it, listen to music. And there was some intense moments, but there was also some like a lot of downtime where you could eat or cook, which is also something I love to do. So dropped out of college, moved to Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn for almost 10 years. Got into the brewing industry over there. Got really into the restaurant and bar industry as well. Worked at a bunch of bars, bartended for years. Then got more into the more heavily into like the craft brewing and more heavily into the cocktails and the science behind it and more of the culture. I started getting leaving bartending, getting more like management jobs and moving into like more of the consultants realm. Uh, I was helping out bars and restaurants, you know, form their menus, their cocktail menus, their beer menus. I started brewing beer for like contract brewing, like uh, you know, like a warehouse space in Brooklyn. I brewed beer for the Mass Brothers, you know, the chocolate company. Oh yeah, it's a funny story actually. I was brewing beer for them for their like tourists that would come in and do tours of the factory and then they offered me a job and I became a chocolate maker for two years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I, this is the, the long is road the to segue? how I got Is here. this the segue? The chocolate? No, I'm just kidding. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've always been really interested in how things were made. Like for instance, beer, like we all drank beer and I was always like, how do you make beer? Like, you don't, you know, like you see people making sandwiches at the deli, you know how like, you know, scrambled eggs are made. I was like, but how do you make beer? Like this is, it's gotta be something more to this. You I know? love that curiosity. Cause that's yeah. always how either great things happen or you get into trouble or a little bit of both, but yeah. it's a great way to those questions always kind of lead to interesting things at least. Yeah. Something else. Yeah. That's it. That's how, um, that's why the uh, offer from the Mass Brothers, um, the chocolate company, was so intriguing to me because I was like, "How the hell do you make chocolate?" <laughs> it's like I've been eating it. chocolate since I was since right. I can remember. But how do you make it? Like, who the hell knows how to make chocolate? If you ask a random person, they probably had no idea. So I was intrigued. I was I like, do like, "I love it." Though. Yeah, and this <laughs> and particular and beer, yeah, and beer. Yeah, this particular operation was a bean to bar operation. So they would get source beans wow. from all over the world. Um, you know, raw beans, big sacks of beans, and then we would roast them. And there was you know calculations and temperature and times to make for certain roast flavor profiles out of the beans like Papua New Guinea beans if you yeah. roasted them a certain way had a smoky flavor to them so it's a lot like coffee actually exactly yeah yeah very much so uh, same regions as well that grow yeah. coffee beans grow cacao mm-hmm. beans as well so I uh, got into that and I learned how to make chocolate and um, within a few months they promoted me to manager so I was running the whole facility of the of Mass Brothers Chocolate so I became a chocolate maker oh and I was like God. this is wow. great wait did you wear one of those hats with like that I big wish giant I whisk did like, <laughs> like, the, like the Muppet? Like, yeah. ooh, like that guy? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't have a hat, but I had a cool chef coat that I wore all I the time. I do have a question. Were you still making beer? Yes. Okay, yeah. so both. More of a hobby. Okay. At this point, I took, a, I took a backseat to like the consulting and the beer world, and I was like, now I want to learn how to make chocolate. Awesome. So I uh, did that, um, but beer was always like a really big passion for me. So uh, once I 
got the management position there and I was running the facility and I was like, I know how to make chocolate. I know every aspect of making chocolate. I understand it all. I was like, all right, I climb that mountain, like on to Check. the next. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, the like zigzag stories that people have of where they get, like you'd think you'd wake up and you're like, I'm going to make some donuts. You're like, no, no. Oh no. Back it up. Yeah. We're going to make beer and then we're going to make chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we're at. Well, I could say that it took a lot of took a lot of good beer and good chocolate to make the donuts that I make now <laughs> to get to yeah. the point that I'm at now. I know a lot of winemakers that say it takes a lot of good beer to make good wine. Yes, that, that's where I got that from. I got that from the brewing industry, oh, actually. Oh, it takes a lot, they used to say it takes a lot of good weed to make good beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> same same yeah. Sensing a theme here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All the intoxicants kind yeah, of so marry yeah. together somehow. Yeah. It's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Mass Brothers, I was working for them, and then I started sort of secretly sourcing out another job in the brewing industry. My dream job at the time was to work for Lagunitas Brewing Company out in California. Oh, I they love were those like guys. the coolest dudes ever. I, I, when I worked in the beer industry, I got to know all of them really well and formed some good relationships, and they were just the cool guys. Like, Lagunitas guys are here, like, close the doors, someone's gonna light a joint soon or later, and like, <laughs> things are gonna get weird. Like, the Lagunitas guys are here. I was like, that's like the coolest job ever, you Party. know? They had like the skunk train parties out on the Cal uh, on the West Coast, but they would invite like all their distributors, and it was just a big party. So much more relaxed out on that. So much yeah, cool. Totally. So much more my vibe. Like beer, the beer industry was like where I wanted to be. So I applied to a job at Lagunitas, and I got it. And uh, so I left Mass Brothers, started working at Lagunitas, started running Brooklyn. Then I started. I got promoted to a market manager of New York, so I was running New York State for Lagunitas. Wow. And then I got promoted to um, East Coast specialty market manager, so I was running everything from like West Virginia to Maine for all their specialty division beers. I know that you said you're in your like late 30s, but this sounds like you should be like 50 by now. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Ecuador for two years, to, or a year or two. Oh my God, I, had, cool. I had a crazy life. I've done I've done quite a bit, which is why I'm so comfortable in my. Uh, I love it. My late 30s now having a family and a business oh, this is exactly where I need to be oh that's so nice but um yeah oh, it's so, so great when that when you it is that it, way. it worked out really well that's for me. really really this cool. is exactly where I needed to be if I if I arrived here when I was like 21 it would be a disaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wouldn't have been good I had to get all that out of my system yeah. that's great but that's uh good. yeah it's a good thing to know yeah for sure live your life let life fall into place for you What's in that? certain areas so how does nofo doko start after lagunitas so segue it all it's all tied together it all it all connects somehow <laughs> mic down mic down we're good so working for lagunitas i'm going out to california quite a bit for national sales meetings this and that and every time i go to la or out to northern california there's all these small like mom and pop donut shops and yeah, I'm like, that was a big thing on the West Coast for a while. Huge, huge. Oh, wait, did you it's say that was on the West Coast? Or yeah, West Coast. Yeah. 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 It's uh, out Portland, in California. Right? Yeah. Portland, Oregon too, right? It is now. Yeah. There, there was like a big, California was cool because I kept seeing um, all these like just small husband and wife owned or small, you know, mom and pop donut shops. And there was like lines out the door and they were making these delicious yeast donuts. And I couldn't help but say to myself, I was like, how do you make donuts? I was like, this is cool. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like I want to learn how to make donuts. And I was like, why is nobody doing this in New York? Why is there not one donut shop I could think of on Long Island? I kept thinking about it. I wrote a, put a business plan together. It was a, another hobby of mine. I like building business plans. Oh, that's a really good habit to have because yeah. I always tell people that come to me that are like, oh, it'd be so nice to have this. You know, it looks kind of unsuspecting from the outside when you have a small business. Yeah. And I always tell people it's way better to be disappointed on paper Oh yeah. Then when you're spending all of your paper, and yeah. it's, it's a very different a disappointment. And is that Carolyn original? It, it it is a little. I don't know. I mean, don't quote <laughs> me. Who knows? I probably take credit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Dash Carolyn Iota. <laughs> it was. Um, I was building. I built this business plan because my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, had a really. He had a really great coffee background. He went to school in Portland, learned everything about coffee. He wanted to open up a cafe. And I was like, cafe's cool. I was like, but it, w it would be really great to add like another dimension to that, you right. know, and like, have coffee and donut. So him and I worked together. He brought a lot to the coffee side. I brought all the donut stuff and I built this business plan for our donut shop idea that we were going to open up. Put all the numbers together and it really made sense on paper. I was like, this is great. If we could sell 500 donuts a day and then grow exponentially based on the way businesses typically grow, it's like, this could be, you know, really lucrative. Time came where I saved up a bunch of money and I was like, his name was Joe. I was like, Joe, I'm going to do this. Like, uh, you know, it's, you, you, you in or you're out. Yeah. He's like, ah, I'm just about to have a kid. He's like, I think I'm out. And I was like, all right, no problem. So I held on to the idea for a little bit longer. At this point, at this time, I was, I left Brooklyn and I was living back on Long Island. I had met my wife now. She got pregnant and we were like, 
I can't work in the beer industry anymore. I can't be working out late at, mm. you know, three in the morning, going to events, yeah. traveling, West Coast, East Coast. I was like, yeah, I gotta be home. Priorities change, sure. Yeah. Worst thing you do is start a small business. But <laughs> what, what I did at the time was, I was <laughs> like- There's never I, really a gr- perfect Much better work-life balance. <laughs> Honestly, though, really is it. I'm gonna really start my own business, honey. It's gonna yeah. be great. I, I needed an out from the beer industry, from the nightlife. So uh, I actually got a job selling cars at Lexus in Farmingdale. That's uh, like the last thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> it's it's almost embarrassing. Wait, to say wait. This horrible. could have went really different if you were like, well, how do you build cars? <laughs> yeah. You didn't ask me How does an engine work? <laughs> you know, no, that, that never really, that never really came across why. my head. It could have been a different conversation. I'm glad it didn't because I love your job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, I, I was working there and it was the most soulless, life-sucking job I've oh ever no. had in my entire life. I just couldn't stand it. So uh, my wife was pregnant at the time and I called her up and I said, you remember this donut idea? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, let's just do it. I went into the, the delivery garage where we deliver cars and I, was, I called her up, I was like, we're, fucking, we're doing this. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore. This isn't me. This is never, I've never had a job this bad before. Like it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with my passion, with what I want to do, it's horrible. It's like, let's just do it. She's like, all right, let's find, you know, a spot on the, uh, we were thinking about North Fork because we came up with NoFo Doco, North Fork Donut Company. Love this it. is a really cool idea. We we borrowed it from NoFo Roco. Yeah. North Fork Roasting Company. We used to always go there and I was like, that's so catchy. And I, we wanted to open up a North Fork Donut Company. I was like, NoFo Doco. That's great. It's, it's so catchy. I'm like, it's perfect. So we started looking. Um, we found the first place we looked at was our old store right on Main Road okay. over here. Yep. And I was like, Screw it. I was like, we don't have a lot of money. I was like, let's just build everything from scratch. We'll do it. We signed the lease like a week later and that's so cool. The rest is history. Good for you because so many times people are just too I mean, listen, there's something to be said about security about punching in and punching out. But when you have that little voice in the back of your head and you just know it just does not align with who you are. You said it exactly. It's amazing to actually act on that because it's a risk. Yeah. It's a Tremendous risk, but I think certain people are geared towards that risk more than others. Like I, I, I have a ton of friends that are way smarter than me that are like, I could never have done what you did, and I'm like, but you're smarter. You could have done it better. And they're like, no, no, no. It's not the intelligence. It's the risk. It's like you know, I, I would never take that risk. Yeah. That's crazy, you know. And I was there like, there is a certain I, level of comfort. Yeah. You have to be. Com- I actually t- say that a lot too about having to be comfortable with risk because at the end of the day, like you said, if I can do it, you anybody could do it. Mm-hmm. Whether, whatever it is, starting a business, learning something new, anything. Um, it's that first step that I yeah. think is the hardest. And the belief in yourself, I think, too. Yeah. You know, you're obviously going to work hard and work your butt off, but you had the idea on paper. Yeah. Execute it. it for me, it happens. was always about opening my own business, too. Like, even yeah. all the jobs I had, especially in, like, the beverage, food and beverage world, I always wanted to open up a bar. Always a brew pub, a bar, something to do with brewing. So I was like, I'm going to work every possible position in this industry so, so I can smart. learn everything about it. Really so smart. smart. You know, bus tables, uh, waited tables at Chili's for years. Then I started bartending, then managing, then consulting, then general managing. And then I went on to the brewery side of things, worked for retail, worked for wholesalers. I worked for Union Beer for two years, worked for Lagunitas for, like, five, six years. That I'm sure you'll agree with this, but that had to have just added to their success quote unquote, because, you know, success can be defined in different ways. That knowledge and that kind of grit goes so far in the experience you need to have when you're running your own business. Mm -hmm. And I've met so many people and talked to so many people that say, oh, I'd love to open up my own place or I'd always love to have a little restaurant, a little cafe. And I'm like, oh, have you ever worked in the restaurant industry before? And I'm talking to people like that are, you know, I like to cook. Yeah. And they have a dinner party for 14 of their friends once a year and they're ready to open a restaurant. And um, it's not impossible to succeed that way. But running down that list of jobs you had had to contribute to the success that you've had in your own business. Yeah. Well, I could say with 100% certainty that there's things I learned in those jobs from either the owners or the managers that I worked under that I use on a daily basis to run yeah. my business. Like le- lessons that I, I've t- I pulled from, from people. That's like even when I was bartending at the Nutty Irishman, you know, Mike McElwee was, uh, was oh, one of the owners there. institution in that place. Yeah, and he, he owns local burgers now, um, um, Penny Pub in Bayshore. He's, a, he's, a, he's a really big in, in the, the restaurant and bar industry. He's a, he was a tremendous bar. Tremendous uh, business owner. I learned a lot from the way he ran that place. And I watched the way he did things. Not necessarily his actions, but the systems that he had in place in that that establishment and the way he liked things run. Uh, I learned a lot from working there. And I pulled a lot from all of these jobs. And it's, like you said, you know, get people all the time like, oh, I'd love to bake at home. And like, that's wonderful. But there's no way that you can just go from baking at home to running a business or 
I mean, or you can. It, it just might take a lot longer to yeah, actually find so much your, learning curve. you know, yeah, yeah big the, learning curve. The learning That's curve is tremendous. Exactly. You're 100% right. You certainly can. I mean, I went from selling cars to yeah. this. Yeah, nothing is impossible, me. but it's going to make your life a lot easier if you if you have some experience with those systems. And, and sometimes what doesn't work is just as valuable as knowing what does. Yeah, and I'm sure you picked up a lot of that, like you said, seeing all those different people run their businesses. Not only good leadership lessons, systems in place that worked, but stuff that didn't work too. I'm sure you picked up other things. So, yeah, and you know, people you worked under, you know, did you respect them? Did you respect their, you know, what, what did you respect about them? What didn't you respect about them? What things did they do that were, you know, that made you want to be better or made you want to be a better employee? You know, leading by example, you learn from all these people that you worked for and it helps to be in the food and beverage industry if you're going to open up a food and beverage business. Those things translate across all lines, I think. I mean, if you're going to run a business, you need to have great leadership qualities. You have to know how to manage people. You have to know how to manage personalities, especially if you're going to have more than one store you know you have to you know i have almost 35 employees it's it's a daily grind and in different locations because you opened up the place right here around the corner in 2018 in 2018 was when we opened our doors okay. yeah we were we were built we built it out my father and i built the whole place out from like 2017 until like the night before oh my god i think we stayed up for 48 hours straight all it's, of our friends came down stressful. and we were hanging Hang things in the bathroom and, and yeah it was just we had, I had no contracting help. Like, no professionals were in the, were involved in building that store <laughs> out. Like, God bless none. You. <laughs> so my dad you, what were the... So you opened Nofodoko. You're open now. What's the biggest challenges you faced now that you're the boss? Like, you talked about managing people and whatnot, but talk a little bit about that transition from employee to now you're, you're running the show. Some of the biggest challenges? I mean... There's a laundry list of challenges. <laughs> um, or biggest lessons learned, I guess. You okay. know, one of the, your, your big takeaways from someone that's thinking about starting a business or... Yeah. Um, oh. I would say that um, having foresight into what this could grow into and be was a challenge because you make plans in the beginning to... You know, my wife and I were perfectly content in having a small, beautiful little donut shop on Lovely in, in Mattituck and just running that and making a modest living for the rest of our lives. And then opportunity comes knocking and you start to realize like well I would like to capitalize on that opportunity I would like to have a little bit more money I would like to have something I could pass on to my children that they could be proud of so I will entertain growing this a little bit more but when you take that step you're already so you're you're you've already built up such a foundation around the idea of one location your uh, equipment is now obsolete you just spent you know 30 40 thousand dollars on mixers and ovens and fryers and hoods and now that is only going to be good for one store and you need to now make double the donuts or even not to be honest with you our it wasn't even good for one store for us we within three weeks of opening we had to blow our entire kitchen out and we had to uh hire like five people like immediately and get a bigger fryer like right away because we were growing pains (laughs) we we, (laughs) we were selling out of donuts by 10 a.m and my wife and i I remember that which was kind of cool because there was a bit of a buzz around that which is kind of cool but also you know a double-edged sword looking back at it it's cool and when you're at the end of the, at, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day it's cool like at the end of the day when you sit down you're like covered in flour you're like oh god that was awesome like right. we just crushed it but like when you're in it and the, I, I remember times where we were literally we had our tiny little store was just wall-to-wall people shoulder to shoulder yelling oh, and no. I was like and we didn't have a cashier and I was like one second, I was doing cashier and making donuts. We were sold out. So I was running in the back, oh, literally making yeast donuts. My wife, oh God, screaming so at my wife, Mike, we need 10 coffee cake. <laughs> we need this. And then I would come out with a hot tray of donuts. And everyone's like, ah, yells. And I'm like, we got donuts. I put the tray down and they were gone oh, in 30 yeah. seconds. Oh that God. gets rid of five people. And then we have 15, 20 more people. And I'm like, yeah. the stress of that, like sweating well, that's in that just, kitchen. It's is... not sustainable at the end of the day. No, obviously. it's not. Yeah. No. Yeah. And who knew? No. I mean... I hear that a lot, and honestly, I did know. <laughs> That's why I did it. Yeah, yeah. I did know. I, you know my wife always said that to me. She was like, who knew? You know, everyone used to say it to my, my, my wife and I when we first started, because everyone was like, my father-in-law would be like, you're opening up a donut shop? He's like, there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. What are you doing? No. And I was like, we got this. And, yeah. and so now when, when, when we started to see a little bit of success, Everyone would be like, who would have thought? And my wife, Kelly, always says, well, Jimmy always thought it. Like, he always knew. We didn't just do this because we wanted to lose money. Like, we thought it was going to do good. I'd love to hear more about both opportunity and the decision to open the second location because we get that question at Bronze all the time. Well, why don't you guys open a fish market up west or this or that? And obviously, I mean, employees being further away, you know, yeah. there's, there's a list of challenges that 
you'll face doing that. And you guys have obviously done it already successfully. So I'd love to know more about what went into that decision. I you love know. that conversation too, because the same thing, we've talked about this before, yeah. um, Cody, where, you know, people have suggested that we open and you, like I said, never say never, but uh, I think I might've asked you if you were able to duplicate the systems that you already had and you were talking about that level of risk that you have. Yes. So um, like I said, I, I have, I, I just have like a propensity to jump into things um, for better or worse is worked out more often than not, not always, but with this particular uh, part of my life, it's worked out well because I'm able to take those risks that are necessary because that's the way my brain works. I'm just, I have this attitude and I've always had this attitude of I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work no matter what it takes, it'll work. You know, and that conversation and that attitude comes up a lot in marriage as well with our life. And it's, what do we do? We're, the bank accounts are short. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make it work. And I, re and I don't just say that. Like, I know I'm going you to. You believe it. I believe it. I'm going to make it work no matter what it takes. I'll get a night job. I'll figure it out. Like, I will make this work. I will. So I always knew that I wanted to, no, I, I started to realize after the success of Mattituck started to, you know, build. And I was like, this is actually really cool. Like, I think we might have something a little bit, I knew the Matatuck was going to do well, but I think we had something, I started to realize we had something a little bit bigger than I thought. And I was like, this, this could be scalable. This could be, you know, who knows? It could be franchisable. It could mm -hmm. be, we could sell this business down the road in 10 years after we build it for millions of dollars. Like, who knows? I've probably not, but who knows? Yeah. I never know. Yeah. You never know. So mm -hmm. I started thinking about that and I was like, you know what? I'm never going to do that unless we start taking risks and getting out of the kitchen. And I think the, some of the best advice I've ever gotten, I think I've told you about this before. <clears throat> I, my mother would come into the kitchen and my mom would always, me and my wife would be fighting in the kitchen. My mom was like, the parents are fighting, our parents are fighting, and mom and dad are mad at each other again because <laughs> my wife and I were always yelling at each other, throwing things at each other in the kitchen. I cannot <laughs> picture that. Adorable little Kelly. Oh, man. <laughs> She's fierce. No, I don't. I actually don't doubt that for a second. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so my mom came into the kitchen one day and she had um, she had watched us kind of just struggling. And I was like, so anyway. My, so you my, guys are fighting in the kitchen. We're fighting in the kitchen. <laughs> we were covered in flour. I'm literally in my third shirt for the day because I sweated through the last two and I'm just like dying. And my mom is like, you have something really great here. And she's like, and you're never going to grow it unless you get out of the kitchen. And I was like, whatever. Nobody can make donuts the way I'm making them. I have to have my hands on this. I have to have my hands on the whole process. Kelly's got to be the creative aspect of it, decorating them. I was like, if we don't have that, we don't have anything. And my mom's like, you think that now, but you're wrong. Great advice. Yeah. That is cute. My mom is a business, uh, created her own business from absolutely nothing and is doing extraordinarily well nowadays. But she gave me that advice and she just said, you are never going to grow this business unless you get your ass out of the kitchen and start paying people to do what you don't think anybody can do. Because I, she's like, I assure you they can. And Sometimes even better than you. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I've adopted that and took it to the next level. Exactly what you just said is I started hiring people that were better than me. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some of our pastry chefs we have on staff right now. I couldn't do half the stuff that they, that they do. That's so cool. And it's, it's amazing to be able to have them on staff and have them a part of my team. It's, uh, it's the truth. Like, they do it better than me. I, I want to hire people that are smarter than me. And I want to hire people that are better at doing those things than me because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm not the best at that. I, I, I did well for a little while, but there's other people that can do that job. And, you know, if, I'm gonna, if anyone's going to grow this business, it's going to be me. I got to get out of the kitchen. I have to start looking for opportunities. I got to start working on margins. I got to start working on labor. I have to form systems. I have to get an employee handbook. I have to hire more staff. Oh I have to gosh. work on our display case. No, another thing this. I say is get, um, running my business, getting in the way of running my business because you are pulled in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. I really just believe in that entrepreneurial spirit to take that risk because it creates an opportunity for other people who are super talented mm -hmm. and the world needs those pastry chefs making those delicious donuts but maybe they aren't they don't have that same you know like chemical makeup to make up to start their own and so they have jimmy and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then they have their their place where they know that they have an outlet for their passions and where they are really good and where their skills lie and it, it's so nice when you find the people that can just create that next level. Yeah. I think it's a critical lesson for anybody because, I mean, I I can't speak to this because I didn't start my business like you guys. You know, I, it's my dad, and my grandpa, et cetera, and all the guys around them. But I've always heard my dad talk about that when he was running sales routes, he had to kind of, he wanted to keep doing, keep doing it, but he also wanted to do the frozen buying. And you can't just, like you said, you got to get out of the sales if you trust other people that can do it as good or better than you. Mm -hmm. And 
take a step back and be able to continue to grow the business overall, yeah. especially when it's your vision that started it and you want to keep it going in the direction you want to keep it going. And it also frees up some creative space for you too. And you can sort of see answers to problems that you might not have seen if you were so bogged down with the day to day. And that is a that happens a lot with business owners where they start because they love this one aspect, but then they get pulled in so many different directions. And when you can delegate those jobs to other people that are open to learning it or even better, then you can see answers to other problems and you can get more creative. And then that's how growth happens. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think you just hit on a key point too is delegation is tremendous yeah. when it comes to growing a business or just running a business in general. But especially with growth, you have to be able to delegate duties you have to find the right people for the right job because there's no way i mean now with the two nofodokos and the three other stores yeah what have, are your locations now we have one in bayshore mm -hmm. the one in right here in Manitoc on love lane and then um i started another brand with um two partners out in connecticut Oh, cool. So uh, it's called Grounds Donut House. We make all the donuts for everything. So Wow. Um, it's in, the first one was in Danbury, Connecticut. I came, funny story, I came, they called me. They came to North Fork Donut Company and they were like, we love this idea, like we want to open up a donut shop. And they kept calling me and calling me like, can you consult? And I was like, I have no time for this. There's no way I could do it, guys. I was right. like, I wish you luck. I can't do it. They were like, kept calling me. So I was like, G give me $10,000 for two days. I'll, I'll, I'll come do it. Good for you, man. <laughs> and they were like, sure. And I was like, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> so That's great. Oh, my God. I Good went down you. there to consult, and I was going to show them how to make donuts you know, from scratch or from mix or whatever they wanted to. I was going to tell them the, the – and to be honest, $10,000 is cheap for the sure. amount of money that I spent for the learning curve. That yeah, because how many course. years did it take you to yeah. learn that? I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, it's the time. It's, it's crazy. It's not so much the time you're spending with them. It's the time that it took you to learn all that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was showing them the ropes and I was like, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. And I, my, uh, my main partner, Moro, he, I think he saw something like when I was there and he pulled me aside. He's like, here's half the money now. He's like, I'll give you the other half for tomorrow. He's like, or just come on as a partner. Oh, and he's like, wow. we don't have anything yet. He's like, we need you. He's like, come on as a partner. I'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll chop up the equity and um, we'll figure it out. And he's like, no financial contribution. He's like, just show us how to do things. And I was like, great. It was smart of him to do. He's brilliant. He's, he has been um, one of the keys to my growth and my success in the donut business since I've met him. Because since I've met him, we've opened up two other, three, three stores together. So we've cool. done tons of other things together. And he's just so tremendous. Awesome. So awesome. He's Good a brilliant dude. He's just super smart. He's, he's an entrepreneur himself. He owns a really successful wood fire pizzeria restaurant um, that's actually connected to the Grounds Donut House oh, cool. in Danbury. He's a very, very smart businessman. And he's become a really dear friend. But yeah, that's, so then we have that one. We have, we just opened one in the Bronx about three months ago. That's crushing it. It's doing great. And we're just signing, we're about to sign a lease somewhere in Fairfield, Connecticut. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, you can't not delegate when you have different locations. Yeah. <laughs> Literally cannot yeah, physically be in more than one place. Absolutely impossible. That's really cool. Yeah. So just to switch gears a little bit, that monkey wrench is not a word for it that happened in August when you were shut down. And the only reason really why I want to talk about it is because you started to tell me this like giant revelation that you had throughout probably the hardest part of your of your business. Um, I really just wanted to hear how you came back from that. And I think that would just be a really useful conversation for other businesses to hear. Because if you were to tell me that Loveland Kitchen wouldn't be open in August and that I would be okay, I would laugh in your face. <laughs> So how did yeah. you do that? Like well, just my wife cried herself to sleep for 30 days straight. Right. Yeah. How can you not? It's your, com yeah. I mean, August makes our entire year and it, it's, so, it's soul yeah. crushing and it's hard, but it's also, um, you have to be grateful for it because you're a seasonal business. Yeah. Time. Tremendous amounts. You know, you, I think when, I mean, in many aspects in life, but it's, but one I could speak to is in business. I, I think a lot of times you surprise yourself at the things you can do that you didn't think you would be able to do. You That's know, like, so true. You know, you're just, you could look back at a time and be like, holy crap, I did that. I made it <laughs> through that. Like, we just mm -hmm. made this happen. Like, and, and not only that, but we are thriving now. And we've pivoted in ways mm -hmm. that are now benefiting the business for the next 10 years. Right. So, you know, it was one of those situations. It felt like, um, it felt like uh, just, that was it. I was like, this is, this is horrible. This is our busiest month of the year. So, I'll, I'll go briefly. Yeah, think, really uh, quick. Just so for people Calverton, that might not know, because I know that people were like, oh, are they open or what's going on? We missed seeing the, the pink boxes on <laughs> Love Lane, by the way. Thank you. We missed, we missed selling them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, Calverton Incubator in, in Calverton. 
uh, is owned by the Stony Brook, is run by the Stony Brook University. Uh, they had a nice little thing going on there where they would uh, have a shared kitchen for small businesses. Um, we saw that as an opportunity during our growth when we opened up Bayshore. Uh, we couldn't make enough donuts. We just couldn't do it. It was just impossible. We were had we were selling out way too early. We couldn't produce enough. It just wasn't working. So I was like, we need a bigger space. We need bigger equipment. Let's check out this incubator because you know the alternative is you know let's go outfit an entire operation yeah, somewhere hundred thousand dollars on it's yeah, a great tool to have and it's yeah. a great collaboration that yeah area <clears throat> and i've i've i bought some equipment along the way that i thought we would need so we were kind of equipped to get in there um the good thing about the incubator was they not only did they do the shared kitchen space for small businesses but they also offered businesses that were a little bit a step ahead of that spaces um you know at affordable rates uh with the That's option great. to use like blast chillers and stuff in the shared kitchen which was wonderful so i said let's take let's take advantage of this it seems great so we got one room uh there it was 24 by 24 i was like this isn't big enough but let's this will do it'll be enough to make donuts for our two spots then within a, about two months so we got the other room next to it so then we had 48 by 48 and um we blew the room out and we put all of our fryers or we had, I had 140 quart mixers. I had 80 quart mixers. I had big long sheeting tables and donut cutters and donut presses. And I had engine lifts hanging from the ceiling to take, pick up the big bowls of dough to drop them on the table to get it all out. We had 200 pounds of dough at a time, it's uh, so massive. 10, it's 12, 13 people working at once, you know, it's just not what people think of when they go in to buy a donut with yeah. sprinkles on it. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not what I thought of when I opened, when I wanted to open up a donut shop either. That's Amazing. so cool though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so not a, it's a, a, a lot going on. It's yeah, a huge yeah. operation. Huge operation, um, which was something I would say that I look back on and I'm tremendously proud of because um, I, I didn't know how to make donuts. I didn't go to culinary school. I'm not a pastry chef. I just figured it all out. My wife and I just did it all by trial and error, reading. That's amazing. Um, and we figured so it all cool. out. So we had this great operation going. We opened up Danbury. We opened up Bayshore. We had Mattituck already, and we were pumping donuts out. Like you wouldn't believe, 16-hour days, 10, 12, 13 people working at a time. Uh, I had somebody on the clock 24 hours a day for like three years straight. It was getting crazy. That's crazy. Um, That's I was ready. I was ready to throw the towel in, man. I was like, I, I didn't have any bandwidth left. I was like, I want to grow this thing, but I can't grow it doing this. This is crazy. Uh, it's, it was just too much. Like I said, I had somebody on the clock literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I had my drivers through the night. I had my pastry chefs coming in at 4 a.m. I had my front of the house staff there till five, six o'clock. There was a time that you, you texted me. You were like, hey, do you have any dishwashers that you might be able to help us out? We're kind of short. I was like, yeah, let me know. Like there, were, I have a few guys I might be able to um, send over your way. They're wondering what the hours were. And I thought it was like a typo because you were like, <laughs> it was like 12 at night. Say to, one to four or something, like, yeah. And I was like, is this, this is AM. Did you mean PM? You're like, no, no, that's what it is. And I was like, I don't have it. I was like, can you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then yeah. it all came kind of crashing down. So yeah, so we're in this space. We're, we're cranking out donuts. Um, and we're doing great there. I'm losing my mind, but we're, we're, we're making it work. Um, sure enough, I, I have a manager meeting every month, the beginning of every month. We have all my, all my management team, my social media manager, my store manager, my wife. Um, we all meet at the first of every month and we sit down and we go over the whole month. We're like, this is what we're going to do for the month. These are the donuts we're making. Here's the dates of the photo shoots. This is how we want to shoot the donuts. Um, these are the flavors. You know, we're going to do these pre-orders on this date. We're going to do this marketing with this guy. We're going to do this collab. with. That's we're going to make this beer. So we plan out the whole month. So we're at this meeting, and my manager, Emily, she's like, did you guys hear about uh, the cookie shop? It had, like, a gas explosion in their in their, uh, in their their kitchen. I was like, no, nah, it's crazy. Like, holy shit. I hope, I hope everybody's in okay. Sunnybrook lab. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, I, I thought it was like oh my God. I, I didn't. I thought it was just some cookie shop. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I don't. I don't know who that is. And I was like, that's wild. Or I thought maybe it was there at the time. I thought it was their storefront that they had. Oh right. I knew they produced it, so in your book, but I thought maybe it was like their storefront. Right. So I didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm sitting in the middle of this meeting, and I get an email that says the Stony Brook incubator will be closed until further notice. I'm like, what? And I, I started putting it all together. I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, that's. The incubator, that's where we make our donuts. I'm like, this is a problem. Like, oh my God. I have three stores that rely on this place oh. being open. I just feel your pain. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I immediately ran out of the meeting. I was like, you guys do what you got to do. I got to go. I'm driving to Stony Brook right now, trying to Calvertown. So I drove to Calvertown. I get there. There's ambulances, cops everywhere. And it was a nightmare. So to make a long story short, um, there was a gas explosion in the shared kitchen. 
um, where all the, the smaller businesses operate, like uh, where the ovens are. We don't use that space at all. It's, it's on the other side of the building. It's got nothing to do with our business. So um, I was like, okay, this is bad, but everything's untouched in my Your facility. Fine. Everything's fine. You know, I should be able to, I can come back tomorrow and make donuts. Like, right, what's going on? I don't use any gas in my room. There's no gas lines to my room at all. I'm like, this is on the other end of the building, no problem. Um, so I found out shortly after that that the fire marshal was like, pretty much was giving the okay. Like if there, if, you know, if as long as we can pass these like pressure tests and the building is deemed to be safe, you could start entering at a, you know, a limited capacity. Your businesses like North Fork Donut, North Fork Donut Company can come back and start making donuts again. The people who use the ovens, unfortunately, are screwed for a while because that place is condemned. Yeah. Mm. So I think Stony Brook did a little bit of an overcorrection and they just didn't let anybody in the building and they, you know, thankfully they were safe. They did everything properly. But um, there was no communication. Um, I was just, I was literally, I found myself driving around in the parking lot at times, just like looking for people to talk to. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah, that's terrible. So, you know, I mean, when other businesses by, are depending on it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were 70 businesses in there. Holy crap. Um, a week went by, nothing. Two weeks went by, really cryptic emails. Try, I'm like, what's happening? Like, I, I have... My palms 35 are like employees. Just yeah, and at this, this point, you've made the decision to close the stores because you don't have donuts. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, we, you know, and, and that was, that's, it's a huge anchor for us. Was that like, I was like, we make all of our donuts like fresh every day. We make them like we have, we need this. So, um, you know, before long, I, I, I held on. I was like, they're gonna open. They're gonna let us back in. Why wouldn't they? Everything's fine. The test, they pass the tests. Like, what, what's going on here? Sure. My wife was like. They're not. I'm telling you, I have a bad feeling about this. Like, oh, we have yeah. to figure something out. So I was like, just wait, just wait. Three weeks, two, uh, two and a half weeks go by, three weeks go by. I'm like, okay, they're, they're not letting us back in. Like, this is bad. So that was almost the whole month of August. Um, and then at a certain point, um, I was like, we got to make moves. We got to figure this out. How are we doing this? I was like, you know, do I start making donuts in the basement of Love Lane? Like, how do we do it's, Yeah, I texted you and I was like, I have two fryers oh, if you want to use that. And then I was thinking to myself, like, you know, this is so pathetic, but just anything sometimes is better than nothing. Yeah. But yeah, we have a basement. Yeah. <laughs> we have a basement. <laughs> I mean, the support was tremendous. I mean, everybody reached out from all over Long Island. People I didn't even know. Like, That's great. Like, Instagram messaged us, like, hey, like, uh, I mean, Black Sheep Baby guys were like, He's like, you can use our, our, you know, our our kitchen is free from like, you know, midnight to like two. You could use it if you want. Wow. It, it was tremendous. I mean, That's so, so we, cool. Yeah, we got a lot of love. So what'd you guys do? So we had all this equipment. We had to figure it all out. We had to figure out what we were going to do. So we started trying to figure out like short-term solutions. Like what can we do? Can we make donuts off-site somewhere? Um, you know, I had a whole staff. I paid my entire staff of all, in all the stores throughout the entire process to try to retain them because I wanted to keep everybody yeah. on board, you know? So you're ready to go. You'd have so to ready to go. Sure. Yeah. To, you know, oh if God. you lost them and then you suddenly can reopen. Yeah. It's just like you're still Starting, closed. <laughs> yeah. Starting over. So, so what, 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 we, what we found out we could do, I, so again, what I, I just hit the drawing board. I was like, I have to figure out what we're going to do here. Like, what is, what is the acceptable alternative here i don't have a production facility what am i going to do i'm going to go get i'm going to go get warehouse space in a week build it out get permitted get approved by the town it's not going to happen i'm going to be out of business for too long to survive so i was like started making phone calls started calling up a lot of people who produce our ingredients and i'm like you know what are our options here what can we do i had so many sit-down meetings trying to figure out what we can do and uh, i think the answer at the end of the day which is what we're currently working through right now, and we're pretty much at a permanent space, is we're working with co-packers right now who made all of our ingredients in the past, who are now making our donuts locally so we could still get them fresh, and Great. we can still have them delivered to all the stores fresh. Wow. So what that did for us was it was multifaceted because <laughs> it was, first of all, it was extremely painful because it took an element of the business away from me a little bit. Sure. Uh, because I've always had my hands on the production and figuring that out. But when I really looked at like the facts of what was going on, I was like, well, this is now going to free me up to do, to grow the business. And I learned a, another really important lesson in this whole process. And that's having your foot in retail and wholesale doesn't work. Like it cannot work. I've met with, I met with tons of wholesalers, tons of retailers, tons of vendors and distributors. And they were like, you were doing what? 
Yeah. You were you you were staffing a giant production facility to make fresh donuts on a daily basis for four stores and you were doing retail, you were doing the stores too. They're like that that's a recipe for disaster. Wow. Like the, you know, they're like, you gotta be losing money. And I was like, yeah, I kind of am. I have to ask you, when you were in the thick of that, were you just too overwhelmed to even question whether or not it was like something you were willing to just like fight for? Or did you have like a really sharp vision in your head that you were like, we're not giving up. We're not giving up. This is not the end. Like, and you were like, we're gonna figure this out because that's your spirit. It's a great question. I, I mean, I tend to black out during those situations. Well, that's what I'm thinking because it's almost like you go in survival mode. Yeah. Because you don't really think about it. When you're in crisis mode, you just do. You just do. You just react and you do. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. So I felt that in my mind, I always had that that little crazy person in my head saying like, you're going to make this work. Like no matter what it is, you're going to make it work. But some things are out of your hands. Like some things you just, like a gas explosions out of your hands. Yeah. Like I, yeah. there's nothing I could do about that. Barring another gas explosion, I was like, I can control this somehow. I, I you know, we have, thankfully, uh, I, we paid a lot for insurance and I was like, maybe insurance is going to help us dig out of this hole. Um, and that's a whole nother story. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> we were, we were led in a, in a specific direction by the insurance company that believed that we were covered for everything. Mm. And then I made decisions accordingly based on those, that information I was getting from insurance. Sure. Uh, and it turns out that I think they realized, oh wait, like they might not be covered for this because the explosion happened off premise at their production facility, not at their stores, even though it's all in the same umbrella. It's a dependent property, this and that. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but... It's useful, sh- though. After I, all this is. nonsense, it is. It, it is. is. I mean, you yeah. just don't know. And there are... When you talk about risks, you're not anticipating an explosion three, four, or five doors down. But yeah. this is the. This is what you're yeah. talking about. Not to scare people, but this is, a, <laughs> this is no. what happened. I mean, I remember when we had the fire in 2019, it was the week of Father's Day. And I remember sitting there that day in the afternoon in my dad's office, like four or five of us just like... What do we even do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure you face that moment too with your team, and it's just like, it's overwhelming, it's oppressive, it's just, it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You know, we were in the middle of the season just like you were about to go into it with, you know, millions of dollars of frozen seafood that I just burned up <laughs> overnight. And uh, yeah. I just remember looking at each other, and it, it was just, it started step by step. I think I probably blacked out a little bit. But you do, I think. I'm sure you did the same thing, Jimmy, where it was just like, Okay, let's control what we can control. It's like being in traffic. You can't sit there and complain yeah. about it. It is what it is. This happened. How are we going to get ourselves out of it? And uh, I just remember sitting there. What do we have? What can we get by the weekend? What can we get by tomorrow in our freezers in New Jersey and this and that that we lease from and stuff and just take it step by step and just, you know, yeah. you can look back a couple months later, a year later, 18 months later and say, okay, we benefit from this. I mean, we got a, a new freezer out of it, obviously, two years later, but it was hell working off the trailers all summer and watching these tractor trailers break down and go into defrost every time and then ice up and frozen product oh potentially going bad. And that's where we make a lot of our money and in the middle of the season, it's just like, I mean, I don't know what you're going through, like all of it, but it's just, it is uh well, I guess at some point there's just a decision that you make. It's either you're going to fight for it or you're yeah. not. Yeah, and, and I think it's just a, yeah, it's a stepping. It. You just do one at a time until you. Yeah, you well, just the fight yourself out of it. You know, the fight seems insurmountable when you look at it. Yes, in the beginning. totally. You just yeah. you almost go into triage mode. You're like, okay, this is what I need to do, but there's this, this, and this. I could arrange these pieces in a million different ways that'll get me to here. But what's the best way to arrange these yeah. pieces to get there? Sure. And you know that was a like I tend to spin out a bit when doing that because I was like, okay. They're offering freezer space here, but I can I can get I can borrow this freezer space for a little while. But uh, but what if I just start looking for a space now sure. because that'll you know and you start doing this. Well, and that, obviously this. through all your experience too, and I think this comes kind of what you're talking about about the risk element and the, that entrepreneurial spirit is that God help you if you're not a solution oriented person. And it doesn't mean that you need like, this like toxic positivity where you're like deranged because that's not good either. But you do need to have that I, that real kind of like belief that no matter what you're gonna be fine yeah was there a point that you were like maybe this is it because I learned a big lesson over COVID where I really wasn't sure if we were gonna survive and I realized that I had like kind of wrapped up my whole self in this role that I've played here and then I had to kind of step take a step back and realize like this might be it like we had a good run I'm really proud of what we did but it might be over did you have a moment where you were like maybe this is it or were you just like no screw it 
like ride or die or no making it work. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's so good Yeah, for I mean, you. that was like yeah. you guys kind of with COVID. It's the same thing. It's yeah. just, oh, our entire business is out the window. There was never, going out to eat. there was never a moment where I looked, even when I, you have those like truthful moments, like in the mirror by yourself in the bathroom, like there was never a moment, like I said, barring another crazy tragedy out of my hands where I said, um, you know, this is it. Like, we, I don't think we're going to get out of this. Yeah. Whether it was through insurance, whether I had to do whatever the F I had to do to get out there and make it happen, I didn't think that this was it for us. You know, um, I would have found grants. I would have found something. I would have found some way to get back on our feet. I have one more question to just add to this, and you sure. might not know the answer to this either, but you can think about it. Is, like, why? Because I can't fail. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great answer. I that can't... Yeah, I, I I wanted this for too long, you know. Fought uh, too hard, worked too hard, yeah. built this much, yeah. Yeah. You I, came I, this far. I can't, it's got nothing to do with material things. I, I come from basically nothing. I go back to that, no problem, I'm fine with it. No, not it's Not that never I have about, much now, no, but it's, never about it's, that, not, it's not about yeah. that. It's about. Um, it can't be. Yeah. It honestly can't be. I, I truly believe that. I don't think it could be about the bottom line. I think it has to be about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it you kind of said it in the beginning where you're sort of all in the same business where whatever it is that you're doing, it's about like leading a team, creating a culture and being where your, where your strengths lie. And that's what is so rewarding about doing the work that you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're selling, yeah. but if you believe in it, then it's worth fighting for. It also has to do. Yeah, it, definitely that it, it, we have, we have employees that we've had for like four or five years that like count on us to pay their bills, which is another insane thing to think about. It's like we pay people to live their lives. Like that's crazy. (laughs) Their lives rely on the thing you (laughs) built. Yeah, Yeah. that was probably the number one most stressful thing about. That's why I said no matter what insurance or not, we're paying our employees. Yeah, we did the same. I did the same thing when we just had before anything came through. I was like, well. What are these, you know, what's everybody going to do? Let's just make it work because people depend on you. This is their livelihood. Yeah. It's my livelihood. It's their life. It's 40 people depending on this. Yeah. You know, our, our plan worked for the time frame that we got back up and running. But if it was, if we stuck with that plan, paying the employees, doing all these things, trying to be good people, not cutthroat jerks, business owners who care about the bottom line. Like if, if we stuck with that plan of being who we want, of we, we wanted to be from day one, the creating the culture and the business that we wanted to create from day one, if we stuck to that, I don't think that we would have lasted another two weeks. Like another two weeks of that, paying all the employees, uh, we wouldn't, I don't think, we would, have, we would have had fast. to, we would have had to, I would have had to make a choice like, okay, well, it's either go against some of the things that you didn't yeah. want to do from the beginning or lose your business. Yeah. So, and I mean, that does happen. The thing is, there's great people that don't make it work. And, it, and that works out too because if you still know that you're going to be okay no matter what even this chapter i mean look at all the jobs and all the things that you went through to get to here this could just be another stepping stone to something else that's even bigger and more aligned with your goals now yeah and i can't help but think that even people because there are great business owners that didn't make it through these last few years or have had those kinds of situations happen and they were like you know what we we just can't find our way out and and they're okay themselves too because they figure it out because that's yeah. their kind of spirit through through business and their entrepreneurship i think yeah yeah no i i agree i, I again but if it did come crashing down i i would be kicking and screaming <clears throat> and then someone would have to be like it's gone and yeah. i'd be like okay i guess <laughs> it's next? gone like you know <laughs> like next? but i would i would have to figure something else out because yeah. and you would i'm sure you would that's the type of person <laughs> i hope i would yeah saying. Well, thank Lucky you so much for sharing that story because yeah. I know it was, it's probably like just, I'm sorry if it was like PTSD for like bringing it back up, no. but um, wanted to have that conversation. So wanted to finish that conversation because mm-hmm. I was so interested in that strength that it takes to pick yourself up and tell yourself, convince yourself and believe that you're going to figure it out. And I know that has to be useful for other people to hear because there's people, totally. there might be a business owner right now dealing with something that was either a mistake they made or something that was out of their control, but Unexpected. either way, and I think it's safe to, to say at some out. point in your business career, you're going to face an abyss like that, that you oh, are yeah. staring into and going, is this it? Is this all, you know, is mm-hmm. this going to take thunder and yeah, you do business. and how you handle it. Thinking if you're in business long it. enough, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to find that. Or you don't, and you do like what you said. Yeah. Because if I couldn't figure, figure it out, somewhere out else. you figure it out somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. You, you, pick your, you, know, you pick yourself up, and you make it work somewhere else, because that's 
what you do. That's the, that was a tough lesson I learned too. And I realized like, we'll all be okay. Even yeah. if lovely kitchen is okay. Which I wasn't willing to accept that. I mean, I still fought for it. Then thankfully the door is still open, which I'm so, so grateful for. But there was that moment where I was like, well, it's got to eventually life will go on. So even though it's cliche, like whatever doesn't kill you, it's just going to eventually make you stronger, <laughs> whether you like it or not. I yeah. think that's why I, I fight so hard or fought so hard during that period was because I have that mentality of whatever happens, I'll be okay. So I can just, I'll hit bottom. Like we'll just get to zero. I'll just go, I'll push this as far as we can go to make this work, you know, get that last breath of air to try to keep this life going, try to keep this whole thing going. So because I knew that even if we did lose everything, like we'd be okay. Yeah. We'd be all right. Yeah. We have a great family. We have yeah. a great support system now. Wife like, kids, you'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be all Priorities. right. You know? Well, it sounds like you have all those in check because otherwise, when that's out of balance, then your your vision is skewed. And it doesn't sound like that happened for a minute. And that's really, that's, that's impressive and inspiring because it's hard to keep those things in focus when you're facing some really hard decisions. You have to be able to hit those situations. Like you said, you're going to have these situations at some point in your business where you're going to have to make a bunch of choices that are going to affect more lives than your own. And you're going to have to make a decision that's going to affect your business and the future of your business and the people that work for you. And um, you have to be ready to make those decisions and confident enough to make the right call during those times because it will happen. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to, whether it's smaller or bigger or gas explosion or COVID, like there's going to come a time where you got to make those calls and you have to be ready to make those calls because it will happen. And you have to make the right ones. Otherwise, it could be, <laughs> could be bad for you, your business, your yeah. employees. Yeah. You know, you're going to make mistakes. But those times, you got to get your shit together. <laughs> you got to figure it out. You got to collect it all together. Smack yourself yeah. in the face. Have a do beer. what you got to do. Have yeah. a beer. Yeah. And, and just clear your head and Love make it. the right calls because it's, everything's riding on it. Thank you so much for that story. It's yeah. really powerful and really, really important conversation to have, I think. Thank Any more questions or no? It's a good place to end, I, I think. It is. It was so awesome. I, really. I, I have don't, one more question. Yeah, go for it. You always have one more question. Favorite donut you. flavor? Mine? Yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one for me. I, I love the caramel coffee cake donut. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. When, it's when so we first good. opened, my wife and I were in the kitchen. We were like, let's come up with cool flavors. And I was like, well, let's think of sh- like stuff that we ate when we were kids. You know, like, what do we love to eat? And I would always, when I was in, like, middle school, I'd go to the vending machines, and I would get those Drake's caramel coffee cakes, and I would eat them, like, three a day. Oh, and I was like, let's make a caramel coffee cake donut. It's a donut. great junk food. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a They're great. They're so tasty. <laughs> so so we just made a homemade That's streusel, vanilla icing, streusel, cinnamon streusel. Cover it in caramel. You can't go wrong. Yeah, awesome. Yes. Thank you. This is so cool. This was great. Thank you so much for yeah, being thanks, here. Sherry. And um, I know it was, it was wonderful. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you guys. Awesome. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to tell a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch on Instagram at For the Love of Business Podcast. Our email is For the Love of Business Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cody. And I'm Carolyn. And this was For the Love of Business. Mm